0: The Everlasting Club by Arthur Gray, read by Halsey Mark. Podcast show. There is a chamber in Jesus College, the existence for whom is probably known to be few, who now reside, and fewer still have penetrated into it or even seen its interior. It is on the right hand of the landing on the top floor of the Patricius staircase, which, a some forgotten story. Connected with its traditionally called Crail Lane, a paddock which secures its massive open door, it is very rarely unfastened, for the room is bare and unfurnished. Once it served as a place to, or to deposit for a superlicious kitchen, where, but, but even that ignominious use has passed from it, and now left an undisturbed solitude and darkness. For I shall say, that is entirely cut off from the light of the outer day by the walling up some time of, in the eighteenth century of its single window. Such light as ever reaches it comes from the door when radio occasions cause it to be open. Yet no, it, yet at no extraordinary remote day this chamber was eventually been been benefited and for it was given up to the darkness was comfortably fitted according to the standard of comfort which was known in college in the days of George II. It was still a roomy fireplace before which legs were sketched and wine and gossip was, were circulated in the days of wigs and barricade. The room is spacious and when it was lit, lighted by the window looking eastward the fi- over the fields and common it must have been a cheerful place the sociable don, let me state in brief protestatic I outline the circumstances which account for the gloom and solitude which is room to remained now for nearly a century and a half. In the second quarter of the 18th century the university possessed a great variety of clubs of the social kind. There were clubs in the college parlours, clubs in private rooms or inns and coffee houses, clubs favoured with politics, clubs curricle, club purported to be learned and learned literary, One, whatever the professional professed <laughs> it could tell the particular particularly. the aim of each was cojoval. Co- 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 Some of them, which included ing- undergraduates as well as seniors, were dissipated up, and An Provisional way eight pro- of pecendency of such clubs as the Hellfire Club, London of L- London Authority. Among the last of was one which was once more select and more evil frame than any of its fellows, by a circular incident. Presently to be explained, the minute book of, the, of this club included years from 1738 to 1766. Came into the hands of the master of Jesus College, and through so, through so though so far I am aware is no longer in insta- extent. I am, have before me a transcript which, though it is in recent handwriting, presents a bold shape which a rectangular array of facts that I must ask you to accept them as various. The original book was described as stout. To red residuum volume bound in red leather and fastened with red silken strings. The writings occupied some 40 pages at the end of the date, November 2nd, 1766. A club in question was called the Everlasting Club, and name specifically explained by its rules, setting it forth in the what the numbers were limited to seven. They all seem, it would seem that its members were all young men between 22 and 30. One of them was a fellow comrade Trinity. Three of them were fellows of colleges. Among them, I sh- should especially mention a fellow Jesus named Charles Bressayer. Although um, was landed property in the country, and the sixth was a young... Cambridge physician, founder and president of the club, was the Honourable Alan Demott, who was the son of an Irish peer, who attained a gentleman's degree in the university and lived in the idleness of, in the town. Very little is known of his life and character, but, lit, but, but little is highly in his disfavour. He was killed in a duel of Paris the year in 1746, 1746- free and circumstances which I would not pursue po- particularise but which but which point to an extremely sexual degree of cruelty and wickedness in the slam men. I quote from the first p- page of the minute book some of the laws of the club which explain its constitution. One, this society consists of seven unlastings that may be corporal or uncorporal, as destiny may determine. Two, the rules of society itself so herein women are immutable and everlasting. 3. None shall hereafter be chosen into society, and none shall cease to be members. 4. The honourable endowment is the everlasting present of the society. 5. A senior corporal or everlasting, not being president, shall be secretary of the society. A book of minutes shall record its entrances, a date in which any everlasting, any everlasting shall cease to be corp- corporal of all fines due to the society, and, each, and when such senior everlasting shall cease to be corporal, he shall, whether in person or by other, shall hand deliver this book, or be it to him, who should be next senior at the time corporal. We shall, in in like manner, recall to tr- the transitions of therein and transmit to this next senior the neglect to free these provisions shall be visited by a president with a fine or punishment according to his discretion. 6. On the second day of November, in every year since the Feast of All Souls, at 10 o'clock post meridiem, the everlasting must meet at supper in place of residence of the corporal Menna, member of society to whom it shall fall in order of rotation to entertain them. They shall all describe in this book and minutes the names and present place of abode. The 7. They shall be obliged to, of every everlasting to be present at the yearly entertainment of society and shall not allege to, of excuse that he was not been invited there too. If any last thing shall fail to, to attend fail to attend the yearly meeting or his time shall fail to provide entertainment for the society it shall be obligated at the attention of the president. 8. Nevertheless, if any year the month of October not less than seven days before the feast of all souls a major part of the society that is to say four at least shall meet to accordingly in these minutes and it their desire that no entertainment be given that year. Then, notwithstanding the two rules of ours, shall be no entertainment in that year, and no everlasting shall be melee on the ground of his absence. The rest of the rules and either too profane or too parole to be quoted here, they indicate the extraordinary levity with which the members entered their prophecies of regulations in particular, to omission of any regulation, to the transmission of the minima, after the last everlasting cease to be culprit were only the accident, it fell into the hands of one who was not a member of the society, and the consequent preservation is its to the present day. Lo, as it was the standing morals of all classes, of the university first half of the 18th century, a favourite descent, public decorum by the members of the Everlasting Club, brought upon it the stern closure of the authorities, and after a few years was practically dissolved. His members, banished from the university, Charles Reyes, for instance, was obliged to leave the college, and though he retained his membership, fellowship, he remained absent for nearly twenty years, but the miniature society revealed some terrible reason for his virtual ex- ex- extinction. Between the years of 1738 and 1743, the minutes book recalled many meetings of the club. It met on the occasion besides that of All Day and Saints' Day, apart from a great deal of infamous drugology, Apart from writers, it was limited to formal record of attendance of the members, fines inflicted, and so forth. But meeting on November second latter year, is first of which so many departure stereotype forms the supper was given house of physician one well, member Henry harry devilport a former fellow commoner of trinity was absent from entertainment he was then ser- he was serving in germany at the Dinting on in the dental com- campaign the minutes contained an entry maculus propria asinium de presidentum and Deport. an entry in the next page on the book where it runs Harry Devonport by the cannon shot, became a new corporal member, November third, seventeen forty-three. The minute given in this handwriting, under dated November second, names addresses, six of the members. First in the list, bold hand at the autograph of Alan Belmont, president of the court of his royal highness. Now in o- in October, Belmont certainly. What had been intended as the royal pretender at Paris, and but doubtless the address he was given was understood at a time by the other, everlasting to infer the fact. On October uh, twenty-eighth, five days before the meeting of the club, he was killed. So, uh, already mentioned in the duel, the news of his death cannot be cannot reach uh, Cambridge to November second. For the secretary's records, it placed below the date of November 10th. This day was reported that the President was come, an ill corporal, by the means of the French chevalier, and a sudden embolument having glowing contrast with his presence. Previous profanities. dashed down. The good God, us from all ill. The tidings of the present death scattered the everlasting like a thunderbolt. They left Cambridge and buried themselves in wildly parted regions. But the club did not cease to exist. The secretary still bound to his fate, hateful re- fe- records. The five survivors did not dare to neglect their fatal obligations. Horror of the presence of present made of November gathering months and their ever apostle lot, but the horror too forbade them to neglect the meeting of November. October. Of every here to join in writing the obligations at the celebration, for five years, five names were amended, de- and the entry in the, in the minutes that all the business of the club. It, then another member died, who was not in the sec, was not secretary. For eighteen years, eighteen more years, four miserable men met each once each year to deliver the same format old protest. During these years that we gather from the signatures, Charles Ballish returned to Cambridge His appearance christened Jason and decorous. He occupied the rooms which I have described on the staircase on the corner of the coaster. Then in 1766 comes a new handwriting in an altered minute. January 27th, on this day, Francis Webhamton secretary, became an non-corporal member. The same day this book was delivered to me, James Harvey. Lived only a month. The same entry in March seventh states the book was sent descended. The same mysterious celebrity celerity took by William Caffron. By then on April May on May then on May eighteenth, John Burris writes like that on the day being the day of the Caffron's disease, the Minute Club has come to him as the last surviving corporal of the club. As my purpose is to fact only, I shall not attempt to describe the feelings of an unhappy secretary when he pinned her to a final, final record. When Winnerton died, he must come home to be the three survivors after 23 years' intermission. To go see to entertainment he must be annually renewed. With addition, fresh corporal guests are must undergo the pit censure of the president. I think, likely, the terror of alternative, copied the mysterious delivery of the minute-book, was answerable to the deceased, be the deceased of the two successors of the minister's secretariorship. Now, the alternative is being offered by alone we have firmly resolved to clear the consent whatever that may be, of infringement of Gold club rules. The a gracious day George II passed away from the university that was succeeded by times of onward un- 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 respectability. The regions of morals were no longer publicly challenged when Berlin II, a pendants of youth, had passed. He was discreet, perhaps exemplary. A scandal of his early conduct was unknown to most of the new generation condemned by a few survivors who were witnesses witness it on the night of the um, november 2nd 1766 a terrible event about the old ambulance of the college the memory of those evil days from ten o'clock to midnight a um, headless upwell went on the chamber of ballius who were who the, his companions none knew blasphemous outcries rabid songs such as never been heard for twenty years past co- 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 Roused from sleep was studied, the occupants heard for twenty years past. Roused from sleep was studied, the occupants heard the voices was not like the various. A few, a twelve-sudden silence fell upon the closest, but the master lay awake at night, troubled with a relaxed a re- respected college, and a horrible example, limberism set to his pupils. In the morning all returned quiet from the bandits chamber when his door was opened soon after daybreak. The early light creeping through dawn curtains revealed a strange scene. About the table drawn seven chairs, some of which had been o- overthrown, and furniture was a chaotic disorder after some wild orgy. In the chair before the foot of the table was a lifeless figure of the secretary, his pen bent over his folded arms, as so though he would shield his eyes from the same horrible sight. before... On the table lay pen, ink, and the la- red minute book. On the last inscribed page, under the date of November second, written the first time since 1742, the autographs of seven members of the everlasting club, but without address, the same strong hand in which the present name was written. There was an un- un- uh, 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 there were appended. Up-end, below the six inches, and that is Mercurius deeper Pesitunium Popitum neglectum, Obelius Obelius. Oh, the, min- the minute book was secured by the master of the college, and I believe that he alone was acquired, acquired with the nature of its contents. A scandal reflected the sc- college by sentences revealed it caused him to keep the knowledge rigidly to himself. But some suspicion in the nature of the occurrences had proclaimed to the students and servants his long-abiding belief in the college that only on the night of November 2nd sounds of her unholy reverie were heard and issued from the chamber of Charles Bellius. I can't learn that the occurrences of the adjoining room had been disturbed by them. Indeed, it's playing for the minutes. Owing to the problem drafting, no provision was made for the perpetuation of All Saints entertainment. Member was secured by Master of College, and I believe that it alone was acquired. Nature's contents of contents, which Kendall reflected in his college body, with success revealed it caused him to keep his cordial rigidly to himself. But some suspicion and ancient occurrence must have pre- precluded it to students and servants, for they are long abiding to leave at the college, only on the night of the November 2nd sounds, when well, an unholy reverie have heard to issue from the chamber of the child's bodies. I cannot learn the, uh, that the occupants of the adjoining rooms have been disturbed by them. Indeed, it's plain from the minutes that owing to the improvement drafting, no provision was made for everlasting to All Saints. Oh, no. A minute book was secured by master of the college, and by belief, he be left to inquire the when nature of the contents. The scandal reflected by the college's circumstances. Reel didn't cause him to keep the knowledgeable uh, regidity to himself. By some suspicion, the nature of occurrences may have polluted the students and servants, for they were loyal and buried in belief in the college that on the night of November 2nd, sounds of, of holy and holy rover were heard to issue from the chamber's chills where it is. I could not learn that the, the occupants of the joining rooms ever been disturbed by them. Indeed, it plain for the minutes that owing for the improvement da- drafting, no provision was made for the of all souls' entertainment after the everlasting cease, the corporal. Such suspicious belief must be treated with comfort incredul- incredulity, but whether that of the cause and other rooms are shut up, remain tenderness from that day to this. Obviously, Mark Show: Charles Dickens and the Ghost Club. The Founding In 1885, the Government of Gents and Trinity College in Cambridge started a meeting talking about ghosts, spirits and all things supernatural. By 1862, they made their way to London and launched a formal society, the Ghost Club. It was at the time that Dickens signed on as a founding member. The founding of the Ghost Club, which still exists today, is considered one of the oldest paranormal investigation groups in the world. It was met with mixed reviews. The eighteen sixties with a heyday of spiritualism in London, Senses and hauntings are firmly in vogue. But even at the height of Ghost Mania, Ghost Club was still considered rather silly. The London Times opened the group. It was membership of the worldly famous Charles Dickens, who made Ghost Club seem, at least, legit. Dickens wasn't the only offered to join the, the Ghost Club, So, ally uh, for Colin Doyle, Cratus Sherlock Holmes was also an early member, and die-high spiritress. Dickens, who had a, a, more of a love-hate thing going on with ghosts, on one hand he had been obsessed obsessed with ghosts since childhood, when his nanny, obviously named Mrs. Mercy, used to tell him tales of strange and outworldly. He loved to write and read ghost stories, and he was in he was also into hypnosis. He treated his wife's headaches by hypnotizing her, although he refused to let anyone try to put him in a chance. On the hand, Dickens was a sceptic, a fan of scientific theory. He didn't discount the possibility of real ghosts, but he believed that the vast majority of paranormal phenomenon was the disordered condition of one of the nerves or senses. He was interested in using the Gulf Ghost Club to investigate and debunk hauntings across London. But did he believe in science? But it did believe in science stop him from going out to ghost hunts? No, he did not. Ghost hunters' club's first major case was to investigate the Devonport brothers and a so-called spirit cabinet. The Devonport brothers were a team of American magicians touring England and claimed to harness supernatural forces with a spirit cabinet trick where they would be tied up in a box surrounded by musical instruments. The box would be closed and the instruments would play before the box was opened again. To view the brothers still tied up, ghosts had been playing the instruments in spookily. except not really. The ghost hub, with the help of some friendly magicians, debunked the act and presumably ruined the Devil brothers' livelihood. They actually built their own replica of a spirit box cabinet and with a secret compartment to prove the trick could be done without ghosts, which seems kind of necessar- unnecessary. But impressive Victorian audiences. so we took that out as a win for the Ghost Club. The club went on to investigate the bust similar claims of hauntings and supernatural activity for years, Unfortunately for the club members. Though Dickens was such a f- driving force that the go- that the golf cl- the golf Ghost Club dissolved, for several years after his death in eighteen seventy. Naturally. Dickens' ghost turned up in seance in America just five days after his own death to clarify the ending of his unfinished novel, The Mystery of Edward Dune. His five members of the ghost club never managed to get make the trip and debunk the claim. so we have to assume that it's true and proven otherwise. The Mount podcast show, a street cat named Bob. By James Brown, Chapter One: Famous Travelers. There's a famous quote I read somewhere. I read somewhere, "It's always, it says we're always given second chances every day of our lives. They, they are, they are there for the taking. It's just that we don't usually take them." I spent a big chunk of my life proving that quote. I was given a lot of opportunities, sometimes on a daily basis, for a long time. I failed to take them, any of them. But then. In the early spring of 2007, that eventually began to change. It was then that I befriended Bob. Looking back on it, something tells me it might have been his second chance too. I first encountered him, him on a gloomy Thursday evening in March, London. Hadn't, London. hadn't quite shaken off the winter. It was still bitterly cold on the streets, especially the winds blew off the Thames. There had been a hint of frost in the air that night, which was why I arrived back at my new sheltered accommodation in Tottenham, North Road, a little earlier than usual, after a day busking around the Cobble Garden. As normal, I had my black guitar case and rut stack slung over my shoulders, but this evening I has also had my closest friend, Bell with me. We'd gone out together years ago. We're just mates now. We Going to get a cheap takeaway carry or watch a movie in a small black and white set. I managed to find a charity shop around the corner. As usual, lift the lifted apartment block wasn't working, so we needed to. So we headed for the first flight of steps to resign to making the long treasure up to the fifth floor. The strip lighting in the hallway was broken, and part of the ground floor was swathed in the darkness. But as we made our way, to the stairwell. I couldn't help noticing a pair of glowing eyes in the gloom. When I heard a gentle slightly painted meowing, I realised what it was. Edging closer, it was a half in the half lit. Light I could see a ginger cat curled up on a doormat outside of the ground floor flats in the corridor at the of the hallway. I'd grown up with cats and always had a soft spot for them. As I moved in and got a good look. I could tell he was a Tom, a male. I could, hadn't seen him round the flats before. Not even in the darkness, I could tell there was something about him. I could already tell he had something of a personality. He wasn't the slightest bit nervous, in fact, completely opposite. There was a quite unfathomable confidence about him. He looked like he was very much at home in the shadows, and just by the way, he was fixing me with a steady, intelligence there. I was one who was straying into his territory. If, if if it was he who was saying, so who are you, and what brings you here? I could resist kneeling down and introduced to myself, hello mate, oh, I have not seen you before, do you live here? I said, he just looked at me with the same studious light, sighting aloof expression as he was still weighing me up. I decided to stroke his head and neck, partly to make friends, but partly to see. He was wearing a collar of any form of identification. It's hard to tell in the dark, but I realised that there was nothing, which immediately stresses me. It's a stray. London had more than its fair share of those. He seemed to be enjoying the attention and began brushing himself lightly against me. As I petted him a little more, well, I could feel that his coat was poor condition. I was even bald patches here and there. He was clearly in need of a good meal from the way he was rubbing against me. He also in a bit of a need of TLC. Poor chap, I think he's a stray. He's not he's not he's he's not got a collar and it's really thin. I said, looking up at Belle, who was waiting patiently by the foot of the stairs. So he saw I had a weakness for cats. No, James, you can't help him. He said, nodding towards the door. of The flat, the cat was sitting outside. It can't have just one. It can't have just have wandered in here and settled in this spot. He must have belonged to wherever he lives sit There, probably waiting for them to come home and let him in. But utterly agreed with her. I couldn't pick up the cat and take him home with me, even if the signs to the fact that it was homeless. I barely moved into into its place myself. There's still trying to sort out my flat. What is it what is it if it did belong to a person living in the flat? They weren't going to be take too kindly to someone carrying off their pet, Ollie. But I the last thing I needed right now was the extra responsibility of the cat. I was a failed magician, a recovering drug addict, living hand to mouth existence, sheltered accommodation. Taking responsibility for myself was hard enough. The following morning, Friday, I headed downstairs to find the ginger Tom still to waiting there, as if he hadn't shifted from the same spot in the past twelve hours or so. The following morning, Friday, I headed downstairs to find Ginger tom still sitting there. It was as if he was, hadn't shifted from the same spot the past twelve hours or so. Once again I dropped down on my one knee and stroked him. Once again it was obvious that he, that he loved it. He was purring away, appreciating the attention he was getting. He hadn't learned to trust me hundred percent yet, but I could tell he thought I was okay. In the daylight I could see he was a gorgeous creature. He had a really striking face with amazing piercing green eyes. Though looking closer, I could tell he must have been in fright or an accident because there were scratches on his face and legs. As I guessed the previous evening, his coat was in a very poor condition. It was a very thin and weary in places. There was at least half a dozen bull patches. that could see the skin. I now felt generally concerned about him. But again, I told myself I had more than enough to worry about getting myself straightened out so more than a little reluctantly i headed off to catch the bus from tottenham to central london and cover gone where i was going to once again try and earn a few quid busking by the time i got back that night it was pretty late around almost ten o'clock i immediately headed for the corridor where i had seen the Tom ginger tom but there was no sign of him part of me was disappointed i had taken a bit of a shine to him i mostly felt relieved i assumed he must have been let in by his owner when he, they got back from wherever it was they uh, been. I had to sag a bit when I went down again the next morning. I saw him back in the same position again. By now, he was slightly more vulnerable and than before. He looked cold and hungry. He was shaking a little. Still there then, I said, stroking him. Not looking good so good today. I decided this had gone on for long enough. So I knocked on the door of the flat. I felt I had to do something. It was this... It was, "'If this was their pet, there was no way to treat him. He needed, something, "'He needed something to eat and drink and perhaps some medical attention. "'A guy yeah. appeared to the door. "'He was unshaven, wearing a T-shirt and a pair of jack-through bombs. "'It looked like he'd been sleeping, even though it was the middle of the afternoon. "'Sorry to bother you, mate. Is this your cat?' I asked. "'The second he looked at me, it was uh, a slightly mad. "'What cat?' he said, before looking down and seeing the ginger tom curled up on the ball on the dormit. "'Oh, no!' he said with disinterest shrug. Nothing to do with me, mate. Been in there for days, I said, look again, drawing a bank look. Has he? Must have been smelled cooking or something. Well yeah. I'm, as I say, nothing to do with me, mate. They slammed the door shut I made him I made my mind up immediately. Okay, mate, you could "'You can come in with me,' I said, "'digging into my rucksack for a box of biscuits. "'I carried specifically to give treats to the cats and dogs "'that regularly approached me to when I was busking. "'I rattled at him, and he was immediately up on all fours following me. "'I could see he was a bit uneasy on his feet, "'and carrying one of his back legs in an awkward manner, "'so we took our time climbing the five flights of stairs. A few minutes later, we were safely in coast, coast in my flat. "'Our flat was but threadbare.' Fair to say, apart from the tuddy, all there was was a second-hand sofa bed, a mattress in the corner of a small bedroom, and a kitchen area and a half-working work, refrigerator, a microwave kettle and a toaster. There was no cooker. only other things in the flat were my books, videos and knickknacks. I was a bit of a magpie. I all sorts of stuff from the streets. All at the time I had a broken parking meter in one corner broke a mannequin with a cowboy at his head and the other. A friend once called me at my place the old curiosity old shop, but he sussed out his new environment. The only thing that Tom was curious about was the kitchen. I fished out some milk from the fr- fridge, poured it out on the silver, and mixed it with a bit of water. I know what the country I know that contrary to the popular opinion. Milk could be bad for f- cats because, in fact, they were actually, they toss intolerable. I flapped I, I lapped it up for second, in seconds i had a bit of a tuna in, in the fridge so i mixed it up the same mashed up biscuits and gave that him as well again he washed it down poor thing you must be absolutely starving i thought to myself after the cold and dark of the corridor the flat was so luxury as far as tom was concerned he seemed very pleased to be there and after being fed the kitchen he headed for the living room where we had curled up on the floor near the radiator as i sat and watched him more carefully there was no doubt in my mind there was something wrong with his leg sure enough when i sat on the floor next to him and started examining him i found that he had a big abscess on the back of his right rear leg the wound was the size of a large canine like tooth which gave me a good idea how he got it it gave. He'd probably been attacked by a dog or possibly a fox that stuck its teeth in his leg, and clung on to him as he tried to escape. He also had a lot of scratches. One of these, one of his face, was not far from his eye, and others on his coat and legs. I sterilized the wound as best as I could. I could, I could by putting him in a the bathtub, then putting some non-alcohol moisture, uh, around the wound, and some Vaseline on the wound itself. A lot of cats would have created havoc. We tried to treat him like that, but he was good as gold. He spent most of the day curled up in what was already the favourite spot near the radiator, but he also roamed around the flat a bit every now and then again, jumping and scratching whatever he could find. Having ignored it earlier on, he now began to find a mannequin in the corridor, a bit of a magnet. I didn't mind. He could do whatever he liked. I know Newton Dorms could be very loathly. I could tell he was a bit of a pent up energy. Well, I went to stroke him. He jumped up and started pawing at me. At one point, he was got quite I animated, mean, scratching furiously. and almost cutting my hand. Okay, mate, calm down, I said, lifting him floor, putting him down on the lifting, putting lifting him off me and putting him down on the floor. I knew that the young males. Who hadn't been neutered could become aggressively lively. I guess if he was not complete, as well into puberty and wouldn't be sure, of course, but if again underlying the nagging fi- feeling that he must have come off the streets rather than at f- home. I spent the evening watching television and Tom go right away there, seemed content to be there. He only moved again then. I went to bed went to bed picking himself up and followed me into the bedroom where he wrapped himself in a bowl by his feet at the edge of the bed. As I listened to his gentle parrowing in the dark, it felt good to have him there. He was in his com- company. I guess I'm not a lot of that lately. On Sunday morning I got up reasonably early, and decided to hit the streets to see if I could find his donor. I figured out that someone might have stuck up a lost cat poster. There's almost always a confirmed recovery bill for the return of a missing pet plus on local lampposts, nose burst balls, and even bus stops. There seemed to be so many missing bongies. There were times when I wondered whether there was a catnapping gang at work in the area. Just in case I found the owner quickly, I saw a cat with me attached to him. I took the cat with me, attaching him to a leech. I made out of with a shoelace to keep him safe. He was happy to walk by my side as we took the stairs to the ground floor. Outside the block of flats, the cat began pulling at the string. Leaders lead as he wanted to head off. I guess he wanted to do his business. Sure enough, he headed into a batch of greenery. A bushes adjoining the manoeuvred building. Just for a minute or two, the heeding nature's call. He then returned to me, happily stepped step le- into the lead. He must be really trust me. I thought to myself, I made mean, really felt that he, I had to repay the trust and try to help him out. My first of all, call was the lady, who lived across the street. She was known locally for looking after cats. She fed the neighborhood strays and got them neutered if necessary. She lived at the door, open door. I saw at first five cats living inside. Goodness, how many more she had at the back. You seen that every cat for miles headed for a backyard, knowing it's the best place to get some food. I didn't know how she could afford to feed them all. We saw, she saw Tom look, took a shine to him, and straight away, offering him a little treat. She was a lovely lady, but didn't know anything about where he came from. She didn't see him, seen him from the area. I bet he came from somewhere else in London. wouldn't surprise me. He's been dumped, she said. She said in... Uh, he said to keep her eyes and her ears open in case he heard anything. I had a feeling she was right about him being from somewhere far from Doctor Mann. But out of interest, I took the cat off. Who's easily to see? He knew the direction to go, but he walked to the streets. It was obvious he didn't know where he was. He seemed completely lost. He looked at me to say, "I don't know where I'm. I want to stay with you." We were out. We were out for a couple of hours, a few hours. At one point, he scurried off to the bush to do his business again, leaving me to ask any person, locals, whether or not recognized him. All I got was blank looks and shrugs. It was obvious he, he didn't want to leave me. As he wandered around, I couldn't help wondering about his story, where he'd come from, and what sort of life he'd led before he came and sat on the mat downstairs. Part of me was convinced that the cat lady across the street was right. He was a family pet. He's a fine looking cat and probably been brought for Christmas. Someone's birthday. Gingers can be a bit mental, w- worse not and worse if not neutered. I already seen they can be very dominant and much more so than any other cat. My hunch was that when he became boisterous and frisky, he was also become a little too hard to handle. I imagine the parents think saying enough is enough rather than taking him to refuge or uh, R S P A C A sticking him in the back of the family car, taking him to a drive, throwing him out the, into the street or the end of on the road sign. Cats a great sense of direction. The others have been let loose far from home and couldn't come back. Or maybe known that he was really wasn't really home at all and decided to find a new one. My lone other fear was that he belonged to an older person who had passed away. Of course it was possible he wasn't case at all. In fact, he wasn't in the house trade, was the main argument against me, having been just domesticated. But more, But the more I got to know him, the more convinced I was he had definitely been used to be, being around one person. He seemed to latch onto people who he thought would look after him. That's what he'd done with me. The bit of the clue about his background was his injury, which was nasty Definitely picked that up in the fight. The way he used to le- leaking pus, the wound, had been a few days old, maybe just a, even a week. They suggested another possibility to me. London where always had a large population of street cats, strays who wandered the streets living on scraps, and comfort of strangers. Five or six hundred years ago, places like Chisdell Street, in the city, Clarkwell Clark- Street, Drury Lane used to be known as Cat Streets, and overrun with them. These trays were the flotsam and jetsam in the city, running around, fighting for survival on a daily basis. A lot of them were like the ginger tom, slightly battered-looking creatures. Maybe you spotted a kindred spirit in me. Chapter 2, Road to-, to Recovery I've been around cats since I was a child. I felt I... I had a pretty good understanding of them. While I was growing up, my family had several Siamese. I remember at one stage, we also had a beautiful, tortoiseshell cat. And memories of them all are generally fun ones. Beneathly, I suppose, the one that struck most vividly in my mind was the darkest. I've grown up in London, I've grown up in England, Australia, for a while we lived in a place called Cougarie in West Australia. While we were there, we had a lovely white fluffy kitten. I can't remember where we got it from. But it was filling. What had been for the local farmer? Where as I had to come from, it was wherever it had come from. It was a terrible home. whatever reason, it couldn't have been checked out medically beforehand. Being handed over to us, it turned out that the poor thing was flea bitten. Had it been immediately apparent, the problem was that because the kitten had been thick white fur, the fleas were festering in. Nobody knew. These are parasites, of course. They draw the life of these creatures to sustain their own. They basically drain the quizzquark out and getting rid of its blood. By the time we spotted it, it was too late. Our rather took it to the vets, but she was told that it would pass the point of no return. It had all sorts of infections and other problems. It died within a couple of weeks of us getting it. I was five or six at the time. I was devastated, as was my mother. I thought about the kitten often after the years. Usually, whenever I saw a white cat, but we had been up, uh, we had been on my mind a lot this week. And as I spent time with Tom, I could tell that his coat was in a bad state. It really was fred in places. I had an awful feeling that it would suffer the same fate as a white kitten. Goodbye. The book. A treat cat named Bob by James Browning on Kindle. Or watch the film. Waste on the book. Thank you. Me. of the Mark podcast show. Abracadabra. Ancient Rome was ravaged by malaria. Material DNA from Roman site dating around AD 450. The oldest definitive evidence of the disease. Which some suspect played a role in the Roman emperors to collapse, but evidence suggests the Romans were not concerned about spreading malaria. But with the mosquito bite, the word malaria comes from the Italian words for bad air. Most ancient Romans regarded malaria as magical or religious, a work of a demon. Malaria specifically is mentioned more frequently than any other disease in the magical texts of ancient Greece and Rome. Roman mythology even has its own dignity. To protect people from malaria. Feverus. Which brings us to Agacadabra. Its earliest mention is a text of the 3rd century Roman physician. Quintus Sirenius is His only surviving work, the Libia medical He describes a cure to treat what we know today as malaria. Historius <laughs> cum conducium abterabiae. Circus antactium rapidius sed dubium semine. Et musius et musius destinan abanemia figurus. Singular quoti sema rapis of cura figuris. Duci in English recura lemma cumnum. His lemma consistes <laughs> column <laughs> de mea mento. Serious instructs all of the, the cure seekers write the word apricotabra on a piece of paper and write the word underneath but remove some letters from the line above over and over until the word becomes reduced to a single letter. It would look like No look like nothing but says smaller things. Sirius was instructed that to bind the afflicted to burn it into paper, wrap it in linen, and wear it as a tunderman, round the neck for nine days, after which they would find it over the boulder, fling it over the boulder shoulder into the river running eastward. The tunderman was meant to create a shield between the bad air and fevers that seemed to be associated with swampy terrain. It didn't work, Cibarus suggested that you should Always smear lion's fat all over your body. Sirius was a disciplined disciple of Basilides, who was a big fan of mystical neurology, and believed in some or them been the first to coin the phrase. Belisides was also a founder of the Christian sect, and incorporated the teachings of philosopher Pythagoras, known for the work of mathematics of triangles, and even explained the triangular shape of the Tademus. Talisman. Silverton simple debate well what well, the words mean trace back to Hebrew Abba Koradura, Holy Mother, Father, Holy Ghost, Abba Tirudbari, Bad Out, Bad Spirit Out. Instead, Abba Koradura went on to be used in talisman uh, against many elements well in the 17th century. He book, Journal to Plague Gear. General Dufovert of Londoners who posted a word on the door works to ward off sickness.